6 to 7 p.m. Sport on with Tabiso Musia. A very good evening and uh, thank you very much for joining us on SAFM Spot on. Tabiso Musia is me and Katleho Mudiba is a producing. We've been watching a penalty shootout here between our under-23s and Ghana. It's gone to sudden death now. The match finished 2-2. Whoever wins this one at the Junior AFCON will then qualify for the Olympic Games. It's the third place playoff match. Uh, so we'll give you an update of what's happening. But uh, tonight on the show, well, Babalam Duma is our technical producer, by the way, on this Flashback Friday. And uh, we like to be in conversation with our sporting stars to find out what uh, to find out more about their careers and journeys especially our stars of yesteryear and uh, but tonight uh, it's very different we're happy to announce that we'll be speaking to England rugby head coach Eddie Jones the man who lost out to the Springboks in this year's rugby world cup final renowned for his brilliant rugby brain innovative coaching he guided Japan to that famous win over the box in the 2015 rugby world cup that miracle in Brighton and has been credited with the revolution of Japanese rugby he was also also part of the Springboks 2007 World Cup winning team where he was number two to Jake White and the group of players uh, speaks that group of players speaks highly of his influence in the two months or so that he was with the team he also has a mouth on him Eddie Jones as they say he calls it like it is and uh, he is uh, gonna speak to us right now he's already written a book called my life and rugby and it also includes the 2019 rugby World Cup final against the Springboks so if you wanna say a word or two to Eddie Jones call us 0891 104207 our whatsapp number for voice notes 0614104107 that's 0614104107 and our sms number is 41391 sport on flashback fridays 6 to 7 p.m. only on safm and it's our honor now to welcome eddie jones on safm eddie good evening sir thank you very much for speaking to us in south africa we really appreciate your time yeah, how are you, mate? Good? No, we're good. We hope you're well too, Eddie. No, very well, thank you. We've got your book here. It came out yesterday, My Life and Rugby. How long has it been in the works for and why did you feel it was important to tell this uh, story? Uh, well, I thought it was important to tell because um, I wanted it to be uh, inspiration for young coaches that uh, regardless of of your background regardless of what happens in your life uh you can make a go of cake um and to show a way that if you apply yourself you have a a vision of where you want to go there's a possibility you're doing it and, and and I've had a, a read. I mean, uh, I've, I've gone through the book. It's really a wonderful read, tracing your journey from where it all started up until the Rugby World Cup final. It's been a few weeks now since that final, Eddie. And you say in the book that it took you two years to get over that loss in 2003. How are you feeling right now? Oh, look, obviously still disappointed, mate. But uh, moving on to the next project, which is, is coaching England for the next six nations, uh, I think age teaches you to to get things in perspective a little bit better, maybe, mm. um, and that cer- certainly helped. I think. And overall, how do you look back at the Rugby World Cup for England? What do you What do you want to take out of it? Oh, well, we're the second best team in the world. Um, we weren't quite good enough to beat South Africa on the day. South Africa played superbly. Uh, they played their best game of the tournament on that day. We probably played our worst and and they deserved to be the World Cup champions. But we had a very positive tournament. We played some really good rugby. I think we put the, 
the pride back into England rugby, which had obviously been uh, hurt by the 2015 performance where when the side didn't get out of their pool. So um, that's been evident coming back to England, how people are, you know, they'd obviously like, like us to have won the World Cup, but are pleased with the performance of the team. And also with the World Cup, Eddie being played in Japan, it seems like it was a masterstroke from World Rugby. They really embraced it. What legacy do you hope the tournament leaves behind in Asia? Well, I think it's you know, established Japan now as one of the the top eight or ten countries in the world as a rugby nation. And if you went back you know, eight years ago, no one would have thought of Japan as a serious rugby nation. You know, that was the reality. They were a team that were basically cannon fodder that you played them, you beat them by 80 to 100 points, which had been their record at the at the World Cups. And now they're a serious rugby nation that most teams in the world would like to play against and would like to visit Japan and tour them. Um, and also, I think it gives an inspiration for Asia that you don't have to be the biggest man in the world. Like You don't have to be a, a big South African forward to be successful at at rugby you can be smaller and you can adapt your game and you can be successful and and just back to that final now you do say in the book that maybe you could have made a few selection changes but i guess it was hard to change a team that won't so convincingly against the all blacks uh, seven days before yeah in hindsight i probably would have changed the order of a few players Look, whether that would have made any significance i don't know but that's the only thing i can think of we would have done differently you also say that you were preparing for the unexpected, but did the box catch you by surprise because they ran the ball a bit more than they did the whole tournament and, like you said, probably their best game of the World Cup? Uh, but they only tended to run the ball from winning box kicks and we and we thought that would happen and they ran it very well um, and put us under a lot of pressure. And I thought they, they were just superb in how they executed their game plan. How big a setback, though, was losing Carl Snicker so early in the game for you? Well, you have to be good enough to cope with that, so we don't use that as any sort of excuse. But definitely, yeah, he's a powerful scrummager, and probably um, because he's very quite short and to the ground would have helped our scrum against, against uh, your scrum. And he's a dynamic player around the ruck, and we lost a bit of that dynamism dynamism so that hurt us a bit but again you've got to be good enough to cope with that mate. Mm. And it seems like the build up in the week to the final was very relaxed from what you're saying in the book is that how you wanted it? Not putting too much pressure on yourself and the team? You even did a schools coaching clinic just before the final? Yeah well you know the fi- my, my um, experience in finals is that everyone knows how important the game it is. Yeah, you, know, you don't need to reinforce the importance of the game, and 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 basically you're trying to take the stress away from the players. You don't need to motivate them. We had a really good week's preparation. Uh, for me, you know, the preparation's done by by Wednesday and Thursday. I leave it to the players to get on with it from there, and uh, we wanted to give something back to the Japanese and and show our appreciation of what they did and, and one of the ways. Uh, Scott Wiseman and I did a coaching clinic for the kids on Friday afternoon, which was no big deal because, you know, otherwise I would have been back at the hotel drinking coffee and relaxing. <laughs> and and what do you make, Eddie, of the, resurg- the resurgence and the reawakening, as they say, of the Springboks under Rasia Rasmus? Where where do you think he's got it right? Uh, well, I think 
you know, international coach's job, main part of his job is selection. You know, it's probably 80% of your job. I think he got selection 100% right. Um, and I think he resurrected the Springbok game, which is a power-based physical game. And then when when you get a bit of broken broken possession, you're able to use that well with the, the pace of the outside backs. And I thought he was... He was very uh, industrious and clever about the way he reintroduced the, the Springbok way of rugby. Because if you remember back, there had been this yearning for Springbok rugby to become more like New Zealand rugby. Mm. You know, to play with the ball more. And I think you know, there's only one New Zealand side. There's only one team in the world that can play like New Zealand. And I think, you know, we tried to do the same in England. We tried to resurrect the English style of game, which doesn't please everyone. Um, but it suits our players and suits the English mentality. Um, and I think Rusty did that well, came up with a game plan that suited the, the mentality of the players. They were comfortable in it. And then they, they added to that game plan, that basic game plan. And talking about New Zealand, I mean, that semi-final win for England, where does it rank for you in the best matches that this team has played under your leadership? Many say it was the perfect performance and maybe you played your final in that semi. Well, yeah, the reality is people can say that. Um, but you have to be at your best to beat New Zealand. You know, there's no, there's no question about that. So we had to be at our best to beat New Zealand. Otherwise, you don't get to the final. Mm. And, and you had them on the back foot for the entire game. Was that the plan, basically, just to put them under pressure, give them the unexpected? Uh, well, I think it was pretty... They, they knew what was coming. Um, and we just executed it supremely well, you know. The difference between us in the semi-final and the final was that on the, in the final, we couldn't get on the front foot. South Africa wouldn't allow us to get on the front foot. Whereas against New Zealand, we were able to get on the front foot. Um, and finals rugby is about getting on the front foot and then, and then using the ball or putting pressure on the opposition as well as you can. Mm. And tell us about that V-shape for the Hawker, Eddie. You were, the team was later fined for that. But was it planned? Uh, definitely, yeah. I had a bit of a thought at the start of the week that we wanted to challenge the All Blacks because the Haka is a challenge. And we did a little bit of research on it and, and uh, the guy who actually designed the Haka or the last Haka for the New Zealand side spoke about the fact that it's a challenge to the opposition and it's respectful to challenge back. And so what we wanted to do was challenge back in a respectful way. Uh, we were going to form a circle around them a full circle around them, but then World Rugby said we couldn't do that, and uh, so we ended up with a, a shape that became a V. Um, a couple of our players kept going when they shouldn't have kept going, but it was probably worth the £2,000. <laughs> Let's go to the Lions. Colin has called us from Cape Town. Colin, good evening. Eddie Jones is our guest tonight. Good evening. Good evening, Eddie Jones. Do you know something? Congratulations that Japan beat us. And, you know, your presenter asks you questions. Instead of us listeners trying to ask you questions, he's asking all the questions. I wanted to speak about the V-shape. I wanted to speak about England were burnt out. The final was played against New Zealand. Take it away from England. I'm telling you, that was the final of the World Cup. And no team can come back after... A game like that. 
But of course, that question was really asked by the presenter. But what question I really, really want to ask you, and I want you to be honest with me, Eddie, in 2007, when you um, with Jake White helping to coach there, were you ever offered by SA Rugby to take over the Springboks and coach them? If so, yes, they did offer to you with their terms and conditions. Thank you, Eddie. Thanks, mate. No offer. No offer at all. Pretty easy one to answer. No offer. Okay, we've also got a voice note that's come through for Eddie Jones. Good evening, good evening, Tabo Musi. I'm talking to Elena from Commanding Christian. Can you tell how does Eddie Jones do it? Because this guy is the best coach. I wish him the best of luck in his career. I was so disappointed when he beat my team New Zealand. But I wish one day we will coach the All Blacks. Have a, have a good luck with your photo, Eddie Jones. You're talking to Elena Tabo Commanding Christian. Have a nice weekend, Titi. Okay, this South African says he was disappointed when you beat his team, the All Blacks, Eddie Jones. <laughs> <laughs> and he wants to know, how do you get it right? <laughs> uh, I know the All Blacks are popular in Cape Town, aren't they? Yeah, they got a huge following, even the Crusaders. Yeah, no, they love them, don't they, the Cape Townians. Yeah. Colin mentioned the your role under Jake White. How do you describe your role in that 2007 Springbok team? Uh, very much technical advisor, look. You know, uh, it was great to work with Jake. He's an outstanding coach and to have the courage to bring another uh, guy that he had coached against previously in takes a lot of courage, a lot of conviction and I was just able to add a little bit of detail here and there, particularly to the attack. Um, and it was great working with the players. They were absolutely fantastic. At SAFM Radio and at Tabisomusia on Twitter. And we're wrapping up our conversation with Eddie Jones. Lots of interest about the 2007 role. Eddie, what impressed you the most about Jake White? Was he someone who was always eager, eager to learn? Because I believe he went to the Brumbies with Harry Yoon to go find out what you guys were doing right there. Yeah, he's a very curious guy. Um, also, outstanding selector. Uh, very good selector. Um, and also, I've never met a coach who had such a good feel for the game. He could see a game, could see what's eventuating very quickly and was able tactically to be able to adjust or adapt to the particular game. And, and certainly, you know, his, his performance as the 2007 World Cup winning coach was absolutely outstanding. Do you agree with those who say that that win made up for your loss in 2003? Uh, well, yeah, it was nice to get a gold medal, mate. Um, uh, I'm, you know, I'm ever thankful for that opportunity to work with those great players and to win a gold medal at the World Cup. I don't think it ever makes up for it, mate, but uh, it was certainly nice. Eddie, you also speak glowingly of Furi Dupree, saying that you were surprised, he surprised you at Suntory in Japan and is one of the best players that you, you worked with. What, what made him so good? Oh, absolutely magical player. Um, he could see the game two rucks ahead of anyone else. He had an incredible kicking game. His passing, particularly when he was running as a nine, is the sharpest passing I've ever seen in my life. 
and and he was uh, like having a coach on the field. I can always remember one game we played in Japan against Yamaha, and it was raining heavily. And within like five minutes of the game, he's just turned around. I was coaching on the sideline, and he said, we'll just give him the ball today, coach. That's not a day to have the ball. And he had that ability to sum up the game quickly, um, run his forward pack superbly. And I thought, yeah, his performance in the 2015 World Cup was uh, nothing short of sensational. Mm. You know, that he he marshaled his troops. He wasn't in the best physical condition, but he marshaled the troops and played with such tactical um, prowess that it was just one of the most outstanding displays I've seen. There's always been a debate in South Africa who was the better scrum half, Fouri Dupree or Joost van der Westhuizen. Is that a fair, a fair debate, a fair question? Oh, they're two pretty fair players, aren't they? <laughs> um, and obviously, Juice was a, a different sort of player, more physical, more individual player, whereas I think Fouri ran the team more. Um, but both outstanding nights. Okay, let's uh, play these two voice notes as we wrap up with Eddie Jones. Good evening, Tabiso, and good evening to Coach Eddie there. Uh, well done for beating New Zealand, and I think every country will be proud of their coach for beating New Zealand. My question that I have for uh, you, Coach Eddie, is uh, now with South Africa being open uh, on the coaching department, we don't have a coach after Rasi Erasmus uh, resigned. Would you take the offer if you are given a better offer by, by South African Rugby Union. I'll listen on the radio. Thank you. Uh, very good evening to you. Uh, with reference to your caller, Colin, which World Cup was he watching? If he really must know, South Africa played England in the finals. England didn't play New Zealand, so that wasn't the finals. And why are you so negative towards the Springboks and South African rugby all in all? The other day you want to know what was the hubbub about Sia lifting the trophy. Now you come with this. Eddie, when are you going to get a life and become a real South African? Come on, Eddie. Come on, be realistic. You know, you, your negative comments are getting you nowhere. You are just making people very negative towards you. Get a life, my man. Okay, Colin and Scully, guys, we have a guest. Please, let's behave. <laughs> Eddie, I'll ask, ask you to respond to the first question. Would you consider coaching the Springboks? Oh, look, I'm committed to England now. Um, but, you know, if, if the opportunity was ever there, you'd always consider it because it's, it's one of the greatest rugby nations in the world. So to even be considered for it would be an honour. You are the man that orchestrated the miracle in Brighton. There's a movie about it, a game that you say in your books changed many lives. Interestingly, you say you'd been preparing for that match against the Springboks uh, with Japan for months. What gave you the belief that you could beat the Springboks, Eddie, with Japan? Uh, just I thought we could play a completely different sort of game that, that they might struggle with. Um, because we had a small team, we could play very low, we could play very fast. And we wanted to give the Springboks the ball as much as possible and, and, and frustrate them. Um, and we felt that if we could stay close to them for 60 minutes, then the, the pressure of expectation would would be difficult for the Springboks to happen, to, to uh, handle it. And that probably happened. And, yeah, it was one of those days where we had a fair bit of luck. The Springboks didn't have much luck. Everything went our way. And uh, we got a great result. 
And and finally, I believe that you all you do say in the book at thirty two twenty nine when Japan had the penalty, you were screaming for the captain to take the kick and secure the draw, but they went for it and it changed your life forever. <laughs> yeah, no, you know, Michael Leach showed amazing courage to to make that decision to go for the win. The players had worked hard; they wanted to win, not have a draw. Yeah, when you're a coach in the grandstand, you think. Well, maybe a draw is going to be good enough, but uh, yeah, it did change. It changed my life. It changed. It's changed the perception of Japanese rugby, and it probably changed the Springboks, who then, you know, following that defeat, had a great World Cup and and did amazingly well. So it's one of those significant games in in rugby history. A bit like, yeah, you, know, you look back at the history of South African rugby and look back at that ninety nine World Cup and what a what a game that was in changing the history of, of South African rugby and sport. Definitely. And we'll end the interview with this message for you, Sir Eddie Jones, and I hope you can recognise this voice. Yeah, I think just firstly, again, congratulations with the way, uh, what he did with England in the last four years. Um, and congratulations on the World Cup again. Yes, they came short in the final, but um, the way they played against All Blacks in the semi-finals was just unbelievable. And, um, yeah, it's great to see. I love rugby. Uh, rugby is in my heart. And Eddie is a rugby man out and out. And he gives everything. He brings something different to the game as well. Uh, he's always got something to say as well. And we loved it. And uh, actually, funny is, uh, he was very confident before the New Zealand game. But he was so humble after the <laughs> afterwards when they won the, uh, against New Zealand. So, um, yeah, a great rugby man and someone we all look up to. Does that voice sound familiar, Eddie? Yeah, but I can't put a face to it. Victor Matefield. <laughs> oh, okay, excellent. Yeah, oh, that's very kind of him. Great. Uh, he's stuff. a great fellow, Victor. Yeah, and, and you're a great fellow too, Eddie. Thank you very much for finding time to speak to us here in South Africa. We wish you all the best uh, going forward with this England team. Uh, South Africans recognize what you what you have done and uh, they really respect what you've done. And that's why we wanted to speak to you and just give you the respect that you deserve, sir. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Thank Good you. Good on you. Cheers. Thank, thank you, sir. That is the England rugby head coach, Eddie Jones. We had 30 minutes with him, and I think we traveled well, 20 minutes actually with him, and we tried to get as much as we could. Thank you very much uh, for all those um, messages that have come through, the voice notes that we couldn't play. We're going to play them now. And Noel says, yo, whenever Colin calls,